Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio right behind Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. We're here every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, as well as a room full of chairs. And if you're anywhere in this area, we'd love to have you bring your Bibles, your coffee, your pencil, your paper, and a hungry heart to learn God's Word. We're not trying to get you in Crossway Church. We're trying to get you in the Word so that faith can come and you can literally be found serving Christ, serving your faithful Lord. Uh, today, uh, we will begin uh, the second chapter of 1 Timothy, and how blessed we are to be here on this sunshiny day, February the 28th, 2020, and uh, just a beautiful day outside, a beautiful day to be here in this Bible study, and uh, we're always excited to get into God's Word. We are, I pray, a people who do tremble at God's Word. We give God's Word uh, the greatest value in our hearts above all things, and it's very important because we live by faith. We live by faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So we're very blessed people today to have God's scriptures in our hands, Bibles we call them, and able to walk with God, hear God, to grow and for our love to abound and just to be walking with the Lord Jesus Christ more than a church service, more than some group of people. Thank God for uh, the, the people of God, the worship services and all that uh, he has called us to be a part of. But the greatest thing about Christianity is Jesus and our walk with him, our relationship with him. And we're just excited today to know that we have that because of what he did at Calvary. And uh, uh, again, this is uh, chapter 2. Today will be our first session in chapter 2. Uh, you can find all the teachings, worship services, and everything we do at the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And I encourage you just to be a part of this ministry by praying for us and uh, praying to the Lord and also asking Him, would He have you so into this ministry? So many of you are being tremendously blessed and the Lord is teaching you and showing you things you you never knew before and He is growing you and I, I encourage you to help us do what God's called us to do here, which is exactly what he's doing through this ministry into your heart all over the world. And I just pray that you would uh, be a blessing to us. You can do that at the website, The Crossway Church, or you can donate by texting to 903-231-5950. And we praise God for all of you who are. And so today, 1 Timothy chapter 2 uh, I always like to back up a few steps and, and then take a running start into where we're going. And let's do that this morning uh, because uh, what we've just finished is what we call chapter 1. Uh, when this was written, there weren't chapter and verses. Uh, the, those things came along just to help us be able to find certain things quicker in the Bible. This was a letter to Timothy in the church of Ephesus in that day, and to you and me this day it was a letter. And uh, it was written by the Apostle Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul had the authority, called by Christ, sent by Christ, and the authority was there to even write down what he was told to write that would become scripture for you and me today. And what he's just finished telling us uh, previous to moving into what we call chapter 2 is that he, he is reminding Timothy and the people of Ephesus that uh, they're there, they're those there who are trying to teach law and that he says they don't even understand what they're doing. He tells us that the law is not made for a righteous man and lists the things the law is made for, which ultimately he says is anything that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of our Lord. And then he goes into giving a little 
little bit of his testimony about how he was given mercy because his unbelief was done in ignorance. And, and then he gets to the very end, again, of what we call chapter 1 and, and, and gives a, a couple of names, Alexander and Hymenaeus, or however you say his name, who had defected from the faith. They, they'd become blasphemers, the apostle Paul said. And so, and now, when he's done with that first segment of this letter, he, he goes right into this, I exhort, therefore, that first, all, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, before we dig into this today, let's ask the Lord. I want you, and I'm going to as well right now, to ask the Lord to give us the light of the Scriptures today, to impart that which may be lacking in our faith today, to impart that spiritual gift that we need today that only He can do. Let's ask Him now for the bread of life. Father, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, that You sent to show us You love us. Lord, to give us that love, to be able to forgive us, justify us, Lord, and to make us the children of God, we stand before you today in your presence with your holy word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us in this and that you would teach us that which we need to hear today. We pray that the hearing of faith would come, Lord, that the Spirit of God would say and do what needs to be done and even provide even those miracles today during this one-hour session, Lord, that you would touch and heal and deliver and sanctify, Lord, that you would bring back the lively hope that's been missing, that you would set Lord, those on the right path again who've been wayward, that you would do many wonderful things during this session of teaching the gospel. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in the first verse of chapter 2 in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, I encourage you, therefore, that first of all, supplications prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not going to go into great depth of detail uh, concerning all of these things listed in verse 1. I will give you the overall uh, picture and definition of the differences that they do contain in and of themselves. But before we go into that, let us remember that we have Scripture before us. We, we have the Word of God before us, given to the Apostle Paul to us Gentiles and to all who would be able to uh, get a hold of it and read it and understand it's the Word of God, and we need to know that. And we need to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We need to read the entirety of God's Word. But the Gospels show us, show us what Jesus did when he lived among us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he even said those that believe upon him, greater works will they do than him because there's more of us now. So we read the Gospels, we see what Jesus did. We see how uh, the perfect man God wanted to live. We see this, but what Paul wrote is, is the how we experience those very things. And it's not that Jesus didn't teach the how-tos also, but Paul was given the revelation of the cross, the actual power and the wisdom of God, that through which all things from heaven flow to men through daily cross, daily provision of God. So we need to really... Take heed what God gave the Apostle Paul here for you and for me as Gentiles. More than just a daily Bible study, a daily Bible reading plan, we need to take these words to heart. We need to dig in. We need to trust God's Word. For there is no other light from heaven outside the Word of God in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. John 1 and 1. The Word is God. 
And in verse 14 of John 1, the Word became flesh. When we study the Word of God, the written Word of God, we must understand that God is trying to present Himself to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, the one who became flesh, God who became flesh, the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. So the Word must find its place in our hearts in the person and the work of Jesus Christ so that we can live by that faith in this flesh that we live in. We need to understand that today. So don't take lightly anything in God's Word. Nothing. Don't rip a page out. Don't. Uh, there, there are people we've heard of taking pages and saying the Apostle Paul didn't quite understand what we understand today. Let me assure you, we don't quite understand what the Apostle Paul understood. I can guarantee that. It is not the other way around. And when you start listening to those voices, it's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The apostles had the authority from God to write down what he told them to write. And these words are scripture, my friend. So the very difference is here, and, and we're being encouraged today, just as Timothy, just as the church in Ephesus in that day, you and I are to read these as they are written unto us. And, and we're being encouraged today. We're being encouraged that first of all, supplications be made for all men. All four of these things, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men. All men. All these things are to be made for all men. Supplication simply is a petition or request based on our needs. That, that's what supplication is. It's petitions or requests based on our needs. And see, again, there's a little difference between supplications and than prayers and intercessions and, of course, giving of thanks. All these things are tied up in prayer, but there's a di little different avenue, as I've said before. And, and supplication, again, is petitions or requests based on our needs. And, and uh, prayer is, is simply, and I look these up, prayers pertain more to worship. We, in our prayers, we worship God. We praise God. We sing the praises of God. We, we're, we're praising God. We're thanking God. We're uh, just uh, declaring the goodness of our God. It's, it's a, it, when you look the word up, you'll find it's the avenue of worship. Because prayer altogether is worship anyway. When you're praying, you're communing with God, that's worship. And so intercessions is also request in favor of God's will for others or other situations. Intercession, interceding on behalf of. And of course, the last thing he mentions here is the giving of thanks be made for all men. And this is all men. Uh, and I know we, we read this and we think, well, I don't know all men. Nevertheless, this definitely for sure, number one, means all men that you have in your sphere of influence, your circle of life, those relatives, friends, co-workers, people you see that you're somehow associated with, but also literally all men. God don't need to hear every man's name. Lord, just bless all men, save all men, fill all men, teach all men, use all men. We have a, 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 a ministry here that we mail each week six leather-bound expositor study Bibles to inmates across the country. Six every week. Takes $37 a Bible. I encourage you to help us do that. Maybe we can get up to 10 Bibles a week one day. But I pray over every one of those letters. We pray on Monday nights when we gather and pray for every one of those inmates. Lord, save them, fill them, heal them, use them, even beyond the walls of the prison into their families and use them. We pray for them and we give thanks to him for allowing us to send the word of God into their uh, uh, lives in the prison system. And we don't know them. We know their names. We've never seen them. We'll never see them more than likely on this side of glory. But nevertheless, we intercede for them on their behalf. We pray for them. We make supplications for us, our church family, 
family, them, uh, everybody that we know, of course, the leaders in our nation, as we'll get into that, and Paul does here. But it's for all men. And the last one, of course, I said is giving thanks for all men. Even those that you don't really like. Those that don't like you. You give thanks. God, thank you for giving them an opportunity to be on the earth. God, thank you for giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel going forth. And, and we give thanks for all men. In verse 2, he says, For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. The reason we pray for others and we give thanks to God for others, it, the reasons given here, that we might lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. How many of you know it's not, it's not an easy thing to do as far as living a godly life and an honest life when the, the, the authorities that be over you are constantly hammering and pressing you when they're not living a godly life and a peaceable life and an honest life. There's constant temptations coming towards you. But, you know, instead of griping about your political uh, opponents, whoever that might be, instead of griping about the way things are, begin to pray to God about the way things are because the way things are always involves people and you're told by God that you claim to be serving to pray for all men especially when you dig into situations with that long nose and that long tongue of ours then instead of uh, doing what we typically do according to the flesh let us be changed and transformed and moved into a place of Praying for them, uh, making supplications for them, making petition for them, giving thanks for them. Think about that. For kings and for all that are in authority. Well, why would I do that? First of all, God told you to. You don't get to just, you, you do get to choose the way you live, but God's given us his word so that we can choose to walk in the light. And that's all authority. For kings and for all that are in authority. I want to tell you something, you know, I don't care who you didn't like that got to be president, I don't care who you didn't like that got to be your mayor, I don't care what their sinful lifestyle may be, the Bible says in Romans 13 verses 1 through 8, 1 through whatever there in Romans chapter 13, that all authority is ordained of God, whether it be church authority, civil authority, it's all because God put them in office for his purpose, for his His will to be carried out to some degree. Even the devil is allowed to go around roaring as a lion according to some degree of God's will. He's going to pay the ultimate uh, down price of damnation and torment forever and ever in the lake of fire and the worst place of all. And he's, going to, and he's going to realize that God used him in spite of him. God used him, not the way he uses the church, but he does use Satan. If he didn't have any use for him, he would have crushed him up, ripped him to pieces and thrown him completely away. But God's got a purpose for things that exist. And in all eternity, he's going to... The greatest torment of all to the enemy, the, the devil, Satan, who is the father of lies, the epitome of selfishness and pride, is going to, in that moment when he's cast there, realize, I am a liar. I am selfish. I am prideful. I've never wanted anything right. I've been used by God for his purposes, and none of my purposes came to pass. I, I am a defeated enemy of God and I will suffer throughout all eternity. He doesn't believe that today, but one day he'll know that. Come on, one day he'll know that. And, and you and I need to understand that all authority is of God. I don't care how they got in office. God allowed them to get in office. And I wrote it down this morning in John 19, 11. <clears throat> Let's look at that. John 19, 11. Jesus, wait a minute. In John 19 and 10, Pilate, who Jesus is standing before, says, speak, uh, then said Pilate unto him, speakest thou not unto me? You're not going to talk to me? Jesus not saying a word. He's just standing there. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify you 
And I have power to release you. Pilate thought he was in control of something. That's <laughs> the way men are today. They think Some men think they're in ultimate control. You want to read a fine story about that? Go back and study Nebuchadnezzar. He boasted in, in himself to such a, a high degree that God sent him out to the pasture for several years to graze with the cattle just to show him how much all that he was not. And I'm telling you, uh, you better be careful thinking you're all that. It's a, and it's a very deceptive thing. It's a very deceptive thing. It was most people that think they're all that don't really know they think they're all that. That's what deception really is, isn't it? I don't know that I don't know, but I think I do. That's deception. Jesus answered Pilate, verse 11, John 19, you could have no power. Now, he won't talk to him. And Pilate says, are you just going to stand there, ignore me? You're not going to answer me? You're not going to talk to me? Don't you know I'm the one that holds the power to crucify you or to release you? And Jesus said, you can have no power at all against me except that we're given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has the greater sin. Now, I've wondered about that oftentimes. Why? Why? Did And he's speaking of Judas, the one that betrayed him, the one that turned him over to Pilate for money, sold out, which the Bible calls Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition, a great type, an anti-type uh, of the Antichrist. But if you're given what belongs to God, the authority that belongs to God to men, that's a greater sin. Yes, Pilate had authority. Jesus said it was given to you by God. And you can't do nothing unless my God lets you do it. See, Jesus understood his father was in total control, total authority over all things. He knew that. Pilate needed to know that. And, and Pilate, I think, got convicted of that because at verse 12 says, and from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. Wanted to let him go. But the Jews, the people of God, the ones Jesus came to save initially, didn't want no part of that. Wanted to crucify him. My point is this. Do not turn over authority to men when the, to the, the God has authority over all things. Don't give the authority over in your life to men don't, 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 don't do that. Judas did that with Jesus. He turned Jesus over to an authority he thought he could deal with him through. He could get his way through. And that's the greater sin, Jesus said. So back to verse 2 in 1 Timothy chapter 2. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This is acceptable. This is something that God, when the Bible says this is something that God accepts, we need to dive all in because our heart should be for God. I want to know the avenues of acceptance. And I've already, now the church needs to hear this today. I've already been, I have already been accepted through faith in the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ for me at the cross. I, I've already been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been welcomed into the beloved. I've been justified. I have been, I've become a child of God. I've been snatched out of the fires of hell. I, and the list goes on and on and on. But just as God justified me, God wants me to be found counted worthy of fruit that he justifies. See, there is a difference. I'm justified, but God wants to be able to find me carrying out daily experiential, experiencing those things that he says are acceptable. If that wasn't a need, we wouldn't need to even have this written. But we have a need for the Word of God because we have a need for knowledge. I've been ministering this the last four message, uh, messages out of Philippians chapter 1 that our love abounds in knowledge and in all judgment that we may approve those things that are excellent 
that we may be found sincere and without offense. Now, if we, if there's just no way for us to not be sincere and not to be found with offense, we would need to be taught those things, given those things in the Word of God. If love just abounded, then we wouldn't need to be taught those things. We have to learn. We have to grow. I wrote something down this morning that goes along with this prayer, supplication, uh, intercession, and that's this. When, when we stop praying, it's because we've stopped learning. And when we stop learning, it's because we've stopped being thankful for what we have. The church is not praying today because they've stopped learning. If you're learning about how faithful God is to you, I'm not talking about you will tell somebody, oh, God is faithful, hallelujah. No, I'm talking about you are in a learning process where you're hearing the Word of God, you're growing, the Word of God is allowed to prosper in your heart. You've got more now to be thankful for than ever. You've got more now reason to be in communion with God than ever. If that's not taking place, and it's not in 99 .9 percent of the church because if you listen if you want to see something if you want to see the people of God run into a cave and hide there's two things you can talk about you can talk about giving to the work of God and you can talk about coming to a prayer meeting they're going to the caves my friend I'm not being ugly but the church is not interested in prayer and they're not interested in giving one cent more than the tithe exactly calls for if they're giving that at all and forget uh, 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 offerings on top of that. You, if you want, man, social media is very telling today. You talk about prayer, you're not going to get no response. You talk about giving ties out, you're not going to get no response. You put a picture of your grandbabies out there, and there'll be so many responses, you can't see them all. Come on now. It's real. Social media, man. You know, on Facebook, it says right there. What's on your mind? Boom. There it is. What you type in there, that's what's on your mind. Bible says, those of you who have your mind stayed on Jesus, you'll find that perfect peace. What's on your mind? Ain't nothing wrong with putting your grandbaby's pictures on social media, saying whatever you want to say, selling a, a chest of drawers or selling some tennis, whatever you want to do. Ain't no condemnation in it. I'm just making a point today. If the reason we stop praying is because we've stopped being thankful, the reason we've stopped being, oh, we would never say we're not thankful, but the reason we've stopped being thankful is because we've stopped learning about what we've got to be thankful about. I know folks will turn me off and go on back to what they were doing when they hear these things, but they're going to turn me off and go back to what they were doing with conviction in their hearts. Because that's the Holy Spirit. If you're running from prayer, running from Bible study, running from church attendance, you're running from God. Not the old preacher. We just the ones you throw rocks at. We're just the ones you criticize, but it's God. Amen. God's called us to, to first of all, it ain't just Paul, it's God. First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, that means your president, whether you like him or not. And for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This is acceptable. Will you let God change your heart and, and you begin to walk in this place? This place that the Bible says is acceptable. And listen, he goes into a little, listen, a little more specifics as to why. It's not just so we can have a peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. And it's not just because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4 says it's also good and right and acceptable to God because He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, when God tells us to do something, He never tells us to do something to be saved from our sins. Because Jesus took care of all that at Calvary. He whatever God's telling us to do, it's for the benefit of Him being seen in and through our lives. If it's Him doing it. 
I could really get into an avenue this morning about the only way that he is seen in the church is through those who follow peace and holiness. Hebrews 12, 14. For, for without holiness, the Bible says, no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews 12 and 14. Without holiness, if holiness is not the fruit, the Lord's not being seen in your ministry. Think about that. And holiness is not the fruit if righteousness is not being experienced as fruit in our lives. And righteousness is not being experienced as fruit in our lives if our faith does not remain in that which made us righteous and made us servants of righteousness. That whole process of progress, that truth of which I speak is found in one chapter in the Bible all compiled together, Romans chapter 6. You need to read it. You need to understand that. Holiness is not in the length of your sleeves. That ain't showing nobody God. Holiness is not in your makeup or no makeup or your dresses or pants. That ain't God. Ain't nobody seeing God in none of that. None of that. And they think that is their holiness because if you go to their church, I guarantee you, if you go in there wearing short sleeves before you get in your car and leave, somebody's going to ask you or tell you, we're glad to have you today. Hope you'd come back. Do you have any long sleeves? I promise you. They're not going to let you come back in there dressed like that because they think it's all about how they look. And God ain't paying attention to your sleeves whether they're short or long where your hair has been cut or not. He's looking at your heart. The Bible says that. The Lord looks upon the heart. We need to remember that. And that's where we really believe unto righteousness or we don't believe unto righteousness. It's not in our actions. Our actions are always based off what we believe, but if we're believing the wrong thing, we can still have actions that appear to be godly but if we're denying the power, God says it's only form. And there is much form today without power. And I'm only looking for the power. He says he wants all men to be saved. This is the reason. Anything that's acceptable with God is because he won't, anything that's acceptable is him flowing through that process in your life. It's called sanctification. It's called the experience of Christianity, not somebody who just lives and thinks, well, I'll get there one day. I'm doing the best I can now. No, he's given us the way. Not the best we... He didn't never tell us to do the best we could. He said, I'll do what needs to be done. Everything I've called you to do, you do it through my son Jesus by the Spirit of God He's never told anybody to do the best they can. He, what he did tell us about the best we could do is that's filthy rags to him. <laughs> He's not called anybody to do the best they can do. He's called us to be faithful to him and we will be found if we will live according to the word through faith in the cross. I can't just open the Bible and say I'm going to start doing these things. I have to have my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, then the Holy Spirit can teach me these things. See, that's the difference. I can open the Bible and see these things and say, okay, I've, I've got to start doing these things. I've just got to uh, put these things away and I've got to start doing these things. That never has worked. And even when we think it has, it's just been flesh. Our faith must remain in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That legal work allows the Holy Spirit to legally now teach me truth, guide me in truth, and in the truth I allow Him to lead me into, it will be the very experience of Him carrying out the will of God in my life. Not me just seeing it and think I need to do it and go doing it. Because without faith in the cross, my faith is really not in the Word of God. I want it to be. I might even think it is. And I'll leave church and say, that was a wonderful message. That was powerful. But it'll have no effect on me in a righteous context where the fruits will be righteousness unless my faith is in the only avenue that righteousness flows, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, Amen. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of of the truth. Now, that is one and the same thing. Initially, we're saved initially because we come to the knowledge of the truth. 
who is Jesus Christ and him crucified. You leave the second part out, you still don't have the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the truth that liberated you from sin. Jesus said when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, he claimed to be the truth. What about him then has made me free? What he did at Calvary. But here's where we've missed it as the church for centuries and that we use so many scriptures just for our initial salvation and then we don't know what to do with them so we don't do anything with them. It's like Romans chapter 10 verse 10 that says it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness and with the mouth they confess unto salvation. We use that simply for initial salvation and it is <coughs> for initial salvation. But all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And if we ever stop believing God's word in their righteous context, which is the truth, which is the gospel, because the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, is the only avenue of righteousness revealed, and that is from faith to faith. And let me give you the kindergarten episode here. Faith comes by hearing the word of God in the gospel context that reveals righteousness, faith comes by hearing the word of God in the gospel context that brings forth righteousness. The first time we heard it, we became righteousness. I mean the first time we believed it. We became righteous and we were made servants of righteousness. If we keep hearing God's word in the context of the gospel, righteousness still keeps coming. The fruits of righteousness will be filled with the fruits of his righteousness. But if we don't hear the word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and him crucified, we're just putting death on the table. We're playing the game of assumption, presumption. We're preaching God's word as pretext instead of in its proper context. Come on now. I mean, this has been the problem for ages, and God is raising up those who he's bringing back to their first love right now. He's bringing back to where the first works took place. That means the works of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He's bringing them back. Now, they're being criticized. They're being called uh, ugly and mean and nasty. Well, never forget, they, they killed all the prophets. Why do you think they killed all the prophets? Because they testified of Jesus. He said that. They wrote of him. Scriptures are about him. John 5, 39. In the book of Hebrews, he said, The volume of the book is written of me. <laughs> he is the living word of God, my friends. They crucified, they, they killed all the prophets, and they will in no wise try to kill with words or literal stones or however all those who know that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Don't think for a minute, those of you who are running from this narrowness of the gospel, you're running from it. I, I hear preach, oh, that guy, man, he really preaches good. If he's not pointing you to the cross, he's not presenting the testimony of God. And listen, if you don't think God's narrowing this thing down year by year, I'm not talking about cutting people off. I'm talking about He's revealing this truth in the narrowness that it, it has always been. It's not getting more narrow. It's always been this narrow. If you don't think he's narrowing it down, you need to just get back in the Word and keep studying. He's going to narrow it down to 144,000. He, one day he's going to narrow it down to two witnesses that have the power of God on them to such a degree that miracles are being performed. He's going to narrow this thing down. You're in the process of that now. Are you going to are you going to go with the Apostle Paul and those today who are determined to know nothing else? Or are you going to keep running after what you call good? The gospel is to be preached in every part of God's word or it's out of context we only go from faith to faith as the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel that's why I teach and I believe wholeheartedly the result of any biblical faith, true biblical faith the result of it every time is the fruit of righteousness if it's biblical faith if my faith is properly placed in Christ and what he did at Calvary, that's the righteous work God stamped approved on. 
then the Holy Spirit can teach me God's words of righteousness and the fruits can be the fruits of His righteousness as He leads me into all truth on the path of righteousness. Come on, somebody. We still got a lot of people claiming to be cross preachers who, who they're no longer holding the narrowness and the determination to know nothing else. They, they're starting to be milked down and moved away. I don't know. Position, maybe. Money. Uh, maybe uh, uh, the persecution has come. Maybe the criticism has come. Maybe, maybe they're, they're. Listen, that's a test for you. That's a test for you. If you start throwing rocks at those who've chosen to be determined to know nothing else, nothing other than this great truth, that's why, listen, people who stepped into this, but they didn't keep going in the narrowness of it, and now they've started milking it down, allowing this preacher and that preacher to speak into their mind. All these things, listen, they're not growing in this. They're not growing in this. What do you think? I mean, this is for you today. You, that's right. What do you think you're growing in? You stepped into the truth. The truth began to light a fire in your heart. You began to see things you've never seen. You, you began to sense the Holy Spirit. Your hope came alive. And all of a sudden, over the last big season of your life, things begin to... People come to you all the time and they say what do you think about these preachers out there all they want to talk about is determined all they want to talk about is the cross that's literally all they want to talk about open the Bible they want to talk about the cross what are you telling them well that's a little too radical what are you telling them you better be very careful you better be very careful because the only light the only love that God shines a light and keeps the light burning in and on is first love. And first love is the love that rejoices in the truth. And the truth is not just written word. The truth is written word in the context of a living word that was made flesh, dwelt among us, went to the cross for us. Never forget that. There will be some that will hear this. They'll be convicted, but instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in, through conviction, they'll throw rocks and get angry, and they'll go out and they'll build a big audience of why they're wrong. That's what they did to the prophets. That's what they did to Paul. That is what the religious folk did to Jesus. I'm trying to help you this morning. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to help you this morning. We're a small ministry, but there's a small following and, and those of you who grab a hold of this and you make the choice, but that's all it is, you're going to choose whether you'll continue to grow in the narrowness of this great truth that Jesus said was so narrow, the few are going to find it. Few, and, and some of those that find it are going to give it up. For fame, for money, for position, they're going to give it up. Some have been in ministry so long, God has presented this truth of sanctification through faith in the cross alone to them, and they have been right there at a crossroads, and they chose wrong. They chose wrong. I remember in 2005, I said, okay, Lord, I accept the cross as the answer for every single thing. I accept it, but how am I going to preach the cross the rest of my life? Because, I, I see, I didn't even know what I was saying. I, I didn't understand. And, and How am I going to preach the cross the rest of my life? How's that all I'm going to preach? I know it's the answer. I accept it, but how's that all I'm going to preach? And the Lord didn't speak a word to me. But from that day till this, when I opened the Word of God, there it is right there. There it is, the story of the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us and gave His life for us, was buried and resurrected, hallelujah. There it is, I hold in my hands the Jesus book. From that day till this day, but you have to make that choice. The cross is the answer. It can't be something you just put on social media. It can't be something you say. It's got to be that to you in your own heart. The cross is the answer for that, for this. I tell them all the time, I'll counsel you in my office, but you're not going to hear anything different than what I preach because this is the answer. There's not another answer, praise God. Listen, verse 4. This process we're being exhorted by God through Paul to walk in is because He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's for you and me, even who's been saved. 
most of our lives. It's to keep coming to the truth. Let me tell you what Paul wrote in another place to Timothy. They're ever People are ever learning, but they're not able to come to the truth. Why is that? Now, I understand that's lost people for sure. But what about us? Are we ever learning? We know where Scripture is. We can quote it. We, but are we learning the truth of Scripture? Or do, are we just learning where Scripture is? Are we just learning, yes, that these Scriptures are the Scriptures you need for your situation? Or are we, are we presenting the truth of those Scriptures to them for their situation, which is Christ and Him crucified? Because the word without faith in the blood means absolutely nothing. Even under the old covenant, when they read the law, they had to sprinkle it with blood. Because without the blood, the word means nothing. And I can't just assume that the people have their faith in the blood. No, most 99.9999% of the church thinks their faith is in the cross. A woman said a few months ago up in Oklahoma, I don't know, you're just trying to get everybody out of their church and in your ministry. The cross has been preached for 2,000 years. She has no idea what we're talking about. She's still hung up in the initial salvation experience. And God is revealing today through those who have ears to hear that the way of the cross is the only way to bear forth fruits of righteousness. It's not the cross that just got me in and now I can just do anything, believe anything. God justified me through the blood. And now He's looking to find me worthy of what He's done through the cross in my life. He's looking to be able to justify the fruit of my life as righteous fruits, as the expression of Him, the testimony of Him. Not of my church, not of my preacher, not of some book, but the fruits of righteousness that only flow through Christ and His work at Calvary. He says He wants all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of truth. Let me ask you again. When you leave a Bible study, when you leave a worship service, do you leave with the truth of God's Word? Because truth liberates you as you're learning truth. He that knows the truth, the truth will make him free. That was an initial experience. But if you're honest with yourself, there's still some things we need to, in experience, be free from. Fear controls most of the church. The dominion of this, the dominion of that. There's some things we still need to be free from. And it's the same truth that saved you that's going to free you daily if you keep your faith in that same truth that saved you. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Outside of that, you're trying to work yourself into a place. You go to an AA meeting, they'll say, just keep telling yourself, you're an I am an alcoholic. No, you're not an alcoholic anymore. If you've been delivered, your deliverance is not in you confessing. Your deliverance comes in the faith of the deliverer who delivered you through the blood of his cross. That's where you get peace, deliverance, and any portion of God's salvation. Watch this now, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. There's no telling, probably countless millions of men, women, and children who've been bound under the demonic religion of Catholicism, who've been delivered through the truth of that very word right there. Well, you mean the Pope is not the mediator? Well, are you a Bible believer? Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? The inerrant Word of God? That no other writings can alter the Bible? That no other men's words, no other books, no other writings have authority over the Word of God? If you believe that the Word of God is the Word of God and cannot be changed and altered, then you're going to have to believe that the Pope can't mediate between you and God. Men can pray for each other. Lord, meet their needs. Lord, bring the peace they need. Lord, save their souls. Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Lord, but, but as far as sin is concerned, Jesus Christ is the mediator, the one man, the Bible says, which is the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, the Lord. Think about that. You better know that. And millions 
of people under false, satanic, religious deception have been delivered because they've accepted Jesus Christ. And then their eyes have been opened to the truth of God's Word. There's not but one mediator. And it's not just concerning sin, my friend. It's one mediator. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead that He might be the mediator of the new covenant. That means bring about by His Spirit the benefits of His cross. Praise God. There ain't nobody else can stand in for you. Jesus stood in for you at Calvary. There can't nobody else impart gifts or callings or anything to you. Jesus is the mediator. He is the one who carries out the benefits of the new covenant. He says the new covenant is in his blood. Never forget these things. Men don't have any authority to impart into you spiritual gifts. And I know many of uh, the people of God today have misread the Bible, such as in Romans 1, where Paul says, I can't wait to get to you there in Rome so I can impart a spiritual gift. But if you keep reading that, and you read it in the proper context, he says to an already saved people, and already filled with the Holy Spirit people, that he can't wait to get there and preach the gospel to them. The gospel that's already saved them. The gospel that's already seen them filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, the God, because he's not ashamed of the gospel. Because in it is the righteousness of God revealed. And only through that path is God going to be able, Jesus Christ, going to be able to impart the new covenant benefits to you. And listen, Paul told the church in Galatia in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, said this last week, that it's only through the hearing of faith that the Spirit came. It's only through the hearing of faith that miracles were worked in their midst. Not what they were doing, but what they were hearing and believing that was right. And he says it there, the truth. They were obeying the truth. It don't mean they were going and doing something to look obedient. It means in God's eyes they were walking where they were obedient, which was faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. You find that in the first three verses of Galatians chapter 3. You need to cling to these things. It'll, it'll remove much confusion. It'll remove all kinds of confusion. We've been confused too long. The reason we've been confused is because the focus and the point of every message was not Christ and Him crucified. Listen, the message of the cross is, is the only way God's Word is going to light up in our hearts. I hope you're getting that. The message of the cross is the only illumination of God's Word. Jesus is the light. John 8, 12. The Word of God, Psalms 119, 105, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Revelation 21, 23, the Lamb is the light. Well, is it the Lamb or is it Jesus or is it the Word? Listen, you can't separate them. The Word of God to be the light for your life in any capacity has to be in the context of Jesus Christ as the Lamb. When you walk away from that because you think you need more, you're walking in deception. And you're walking away from the light. And they that claim they're walking in the light that's darkness, Jesus said, oh, how great is that darkness. Watch this. Paul will never get away from the cross. Paul will never leave the cross no matter what he's talking about. He's telling us in the very first portion of chapter 2 things we should be involved in, things that should be in our lives. Prayer, supplication, intercession, giving thanks to all men for all kings and all authorities. <coughs> and, and, and he tells us it's acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He says because he wants all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of truth, because there's only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Watch this, verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Paul not going to leave the cross. Paul, are you going to leave the cross? Or Listen, don't leave a church preaching the cross. I don't care what it is you're not liking. If they're preaching the cross for the way you live for God, you better cling tight and pray for those 
that God has given you is a gift because there's a great attack on those preachers who've determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. Great attack there. And we need to remember that. He says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in, why, in due time. Why does Paul have to bring this up? What's this got to do with praying? What's this got to do with anything? Always refer, re, reverting back to the cross. Talking about Jesus and, and, and giving himself as a ransom for all. So it will help you understand, hopefully better, the need to pray for all, to give thanks for all, to make supplications for all, to intercede for all. Come on now. This is not hard, but this takes a heart that's truly after God. And just because somebody thinks their heart is truly after God doesn't mean it is. The people who are gathered up swinging from the chandeliers wearing long sleeves and dresses and no makeup and no jewelry and uh, claiming they ain't got no TVs in their house. They just ain't got none nobody they're going to let you know about. And it's all just living that burden of unfaithfulness to God because if that's what your faith is in, there's no holiness there to be seen. There's nothing wrong with any of those things I just stated. Not one thing wrong with not having a television in your house. Not one thing wrong with wearing long sleeves and dresses and no makeup. Not one thing wrong with and no condemnation in any of that unless <coughs> your faith is in those things. And you're calling those things holiness. Then there's a lot wrong with them. The main thing that's wrong there is the object of faith is wrong. And if the object of faith is wrong, listen, the revelation of the Bible, the illumination of the Word of God in your heart, my heart, any heart, can't take place without faith being in Christ and His work at Calvary. Not 40 years ago. Not 40 days ago. Right now, that's what I'm clinging to. God will change everything in your life. But you won't find a place to worship where everybody's trying to look like the preacher. Everybody's trying to look like each other. You'll find a ministry where the message of the cross is proclaimed, the power of the wisdom of God. And yes, God does is concerned about the way we present ourselves because the way we present ourselves either is or not us presenting Him properly. But we're not here trying to be like each other. We're here trying to be like Jesus. And we can't present him through long sleeves and just dresses. Most of those people I see in public, they look very unhappy. They're very unhappy because they're living bound under law. They're living bound by those things. We have to do this. I, I have to. I can't. Man, I, 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 well, I can't do this. I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything. They're living bound under law. Remember, the law is not just for whoremongers and murderers and perjurers. Go back and read chapter 1 again. <clears throat> the law <clears throat> applies to anybody that's believing anything that's contrary to sound doctrine. Listen, it's in, first in the first chapter. Sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. If it's not tied to the cross... What we're hearing preached is not sound. Oh, the Word of God is sound. <clears throat> and it'll be sound doctrine to you if it's being presented in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it that narrow, you better ask God to help you. And those of us who've come back to that narrow place doesn't make us one iota, a bit, none better than anybody. And we do not preach this message out of envy and strife. Those who do that, they can see people saved, but then they're confused when they're saved because even when we preach Christ out of envy and strife, the Bible says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Can you imagine being a preacher that preaches Christ? Yes, you preach Christ. Yes, you see people saved, but you're doing it out of envy and strife, and therefore, as soon as they're saved, they're confused. 
confusion comes in. And every that's where the church has been for centuries. We get saved, and, <clears throat> and then we hear that all those list of things that we have to do if our salvation's going to be right, if it was real. It's like the <clears throat> group of people that get together put you under the water and bring you up. If you don't come up speaking in other tongues, you didn't get saved. All I got to say about that is when you go down in that water and you do come up speaking in other tongues, you better remember everything God offers men through faith in the cross of Christ. The devil has a counterfeit, tongues and all. So I hope this uh, has been a blessing to you today. It's a little different than what you've heard all these centuries, all these decades. You've listened to some preacher just walk out and bat his eyes and tell you God's love you. God loves you. Th these ministries God is raising up today is going to point you to the path if you're off of it, or it's going to, or God the Holy Spirit is going to keep lighting the path once He gets you back on the right path to confirm that you are on the right path. And there you're going to experience the things of God. Yes. Not just because somebody tells you God loves you. They're going to present the Word of God, who is love, to you and the experience. God is interested in you, your ministry, and your experience of what you're calling ministry. He's, he's, he, he is interested in your life and the fruits of your life. And we need it to be Him, amen, instead of just us. Praise God. It's been a great session for me. Tune in again next Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time right here on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. You can see this if you saw it on Facebook. You can see it on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Thank you for your prayers. And those of you who are standing in this great grace, keep standing. Keep fighting this good fight of faith and make sure you become determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.